You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we have a treat for you guys today. So, you know, Perry Mason, L.A. Law, John Grisham, even Judge Judy, and many more, um, you know, made lawyering looks fascinating, sexy, dramatic work. Is it just TV or is it movie magic? Or is the legal biz more like shuffling paper and writing along sentences with Latin words? Libby James and Cynthia Jones from Hork Tally are under oath here on the Brain Builders podcast, and we are so excited to have you guys. What a great introduction, Brian. Thank you very much for that. And ladies, thank you all for being here today. Could you tell us a little bit about Horak Tally? Sure. Um, my name's Libby James, and I am an attorney at Horak Tally. I do family law. Horak Tally's been in Charlotte since about 1932, so we're getting close to 85 years, almost 86 wow. years now of serving Charlotte. And we have about 40 attorneys, and we do six main practice groups. Cynthia, if you want. Sure. I um, I do community association law. I represent a lot of homeowners associations. We also do a lot of real estate. Um, we have a big general litigation department. And then um, we also have a tax planning department as well and um, estates. So we do a little bit of everything. And as I mentioned, I do family law, which covers a wide range of legal issues from child custody and child support, spousal support, and then some more tort defense work that's interesting to North Carolina. So you see a lot of families and and people in probably some of the worst times of their lives, really, and you have to navigate the legal process of that. It's very, you, you know, when you get sworn into the bar, you're an attorney and counselor at law. When you do family law, a lot of the counselor part comes in because people you know, they often say that going through a family law case is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And the type of work we do, people aren't expecting it. You know, when someone commits a crime or they're kind of a career criminal, it's kind of the game for them. Now, sooner or later, you might get caught and might have to go to jail. That's kind of cost of doing business. Right. But for other, for normal people who have not gone through the legal system, a family law case is devastating because one day you're going along and the next day, Everything's changed. Everything's changing. Everything Kids you might know. be living somewhere else. You might have half as much money. It, you know, your entire lifestyle might change. So people go through really hard things. Now, when you were in school and, and growing up, is, was this the vision you had for your career? Did you want to always practice family law, or did you just sort of get into the law and, and migrate into that side of things? So growing up, I always knew I was going to be an attorney. My dad's an attorney in a small town, and okay. there, are a bunch of, there are three of us growing up. So on Saturdays, my dad would go to work, and my mom would say, you're taking one of these kids with you. <laughs> and it would be me because I was the oldest. So I went to his law firm, and I loved it. They had 10-cent snacks and a coffee machine. It was fabulous. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I learned that it's a little bit different now, clearly. But I always wanted to be an attorney. I didn't decide on family law until probably in law school, partially because I do feel like I get along with people well. I have a good patience level for dealing with family law because it can be stressful. I don't think um, I thought about it until law school, though. I don't know about you, Cynthia. Did you always have a burning yeah. desire to do HOA work? I uh, <laughs> No, no. I, I knew I wanted to go to law school. I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I um, started my practice, actually, in real estate. 
And so I have a, a good real estate background. And then once the market took a little bit of a dive back in 2007, 2008, um, I needed something to do with the inordinate amount of time that I had on my hands. And so I started helping one of our partners who did community association law. Um, and quite frankly, I really enjoy what I'm doing. It's um, a new thing every day. I get asked questions I never thought I would get asked. But I also get to help counsel people who are volunteers working on their boards, trying to navigate how to run this association, be it big or small, and help answer questions that they have on how to make that run better and how to make people have a better community. And I really enjoy that. That's excellent. So I, I will, my wife will probably kill me for saying this, but um, when I, when I was in college, I, I dated a girl who was uh, going to become a lawyer. And then when we got out of college, she actually became a lawyer and had to study for the exam. And so you guys, I can only imagine the stress level it takes to actually become a lawyer. So once you become a lawyer and then you get to practice, then you get to have fun, right? Me and my wife, we love watching like criminal law. We love watching just kind of like the, the craziness around that. I have a feeling that all law practice is not like that. And every day can obviously bring a different challenge. But what are some of the exciting things that you guys get to go through? Or maybe some of the things that you wake up and you're like, man, this was a great day. Or this is why I do this job. Or this is why I love my job. So for family law, we wind up going to court some. Part of our goal in family law is not to go to court. You know, I'd say 75 to 80 percent of my cases settle outside of court. And that's the goal. Family law can be really expensive for people. And it can cost, you don't want to spend your life savings trying to save half your life savings. That is not effective for people. Generally, people aren't happy at the end of the case if they spend all their money to get nothing. So our goal is to settle outside of court. So one of my clients reaches a good resolution outside of court without spending all their money. Generally, that's a very good day for us. They're happier. I'm happier for them. And when people reach a resolution, generally after reaching that resolution, they get along better with their former spouse than if a judge said, this is how your life's going to be. When people have input into the final decision, it is much more likely to work out in the long run as two separate households than as a judge says, this is how your life is going to be. And specifically on that, I have a quick question. And I guess this is from a consumer standpoint. When you, when you interact daily, there's a lawyer that's going to be helping out a lot of the things that you're dealing with, right? Whether you know that or not, like they're behind the scenes making it happen. When somebody's dealing with family law, when is the time to say, I need to call a lawyer? Or when is the time to say, hey, we, we need to maybe reach out to Horrock Tally and see if they can help us out? And I know every circumstance is different, but give us kind of some, some direction there because I guess maybe you wake up one day and something happens. You're like, well, I need a lawyer. And that's obviously, but like, what are, what are some other things that we could reach out to you guys where you could help us out as well? Well, specifically for family law, we see people from when they start maybe thinking about, they might not be happy in their marriage to people who find out that their spouse wasn't happy in their marriage and the spouse is leaving them that day or has left. We also see people prior to even getting married. Sometimes having a premarital agreement can save you lots of money and lots of headache if it's done well. So we will see people from the time they're thinking about getting married to people who are just thinking about getting separated and might want to know, what are my basic legal rights? What are the basic legal issues I'm facing? Horak Tally, since we do other work like wills and general litigation, we have people call us at all sorts and 
different parts of their cases. We take over for other attorneys. We see them prior to suing people. We see them at all stages. I don't know if it's since you represent communities, if you have the same experience. I, I, I think it's never, my answer to that question would be, I, I don't think it's ever too early to come and talk to an attorney if you think you might need one. Um, we do a lot of consults, and I do a lot of consults, even with community associations, and sometimes they will need my help, and sometimes they will come back six months later and need my help then. But I think if, if there's an issue that you think is going to, that you would like some counsel on, it can't hurt. I'm just always curious, like, I, I assume over the years you you see more and more, and you you're involved with different types of litigation and all of that and you become very experienced in that role but how much time do you actually spend consulting and then how much time do you spend like researching that law around the particular issue you're working on so from from what i do i spend a lot of time consulting with my clients um the board the boards are the ones that need the help, and they often have the questions on what to do. Um, and so I spend a lot of time talking to them. And they're often in a difficult situation because they they live in the community, and they're having to make decisions for the entire community. And that can be very difficult, depending on what the decisions are that they're having to make. So um, it's a tough position for them to be in. So I spend a lot of my time consulting with them on general matters, on how I think they need to do it based on the law and how I think they um, can do it to make it easier for them and their communities within the law and their governing documents. Um, but constantly I'm going to conferences, reading new cases that come out, looking at the change in the statutes and very active in um, some of our association um, organizations that do legislative work. So we're, I'm always on the forefront of what's out there and what's coming because that helps me help my clients better. And I think both of us are in areas of law that on at least a weekly, if not daily basis, a new question has popped up because both in family law and the HOA work, these are normal people living their lives. And you'll find out everybody's got something going on. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, not black and white. No, <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and a lot of times someone will call and they'll say, first of all, I didn't even know you could do that. Mm -hmm. Second... I don't know exactly what the legal ramifications are of this new slight twist on the law. I'm going to spend some time looking at it because it's hard to have an exact legal answer for every single issue that pops up because there are so many different issues. In family law, we have to deal with retirement accounts and how to divide those up. I mean, there's so many different types of real retirement estate. accounts. The real estate, I mean, you Lord. know, the transactions, the HOA work always has to deal with the land issues they wind up with are nuts. So they're always new issues that we always have to spend time trying to figure out for our clients and figure out the best way to handle them. And so I'd say we spend a fair bit of time on these new issues that pop up. And, and legal work just gets expensive. I mean, you all's billable hour rates are, are up there and, and you deserve it. I mean, you know things that other folks don't know and you have tons of education. Is there... And this may be a question to an insurance guy, but is there like an insurance that you can buy that would cover legal fees? Have you ever heard of a product like that? I don't well, know what I, made me I'm think not. of it. I'm not. You should um, make one. That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I one mean, of, I would buy it. One of the, <laughs> like, one of the benefits that we think of, of 
being a client at Horak Tally is we, we've got a pretty decent sized firm. So we, we've kind of got a big firm knowledge at mid-sized firm rates. So um, we think that's very beneficial for our clients. Um, I don't know of anything out there that would, um, you can, you know, some of employers have some prepaid legal plans, but other than that, I don't know that there's any insurance, unfortunately, um, that would help you. Yeah, the, and some employees get a prepaid legal insurance benefit through their employer, but it generally will cover one hour of a consultation, which can, I mean, that is a money saver, especially if sure. you're, but not every firm accepts those. And a lot of times it won't cover your exact issue. A lot of times we'll cover a consultation for an absolute divorce. Well, very rarely do you just need a divorce. You usually need a whole much more than yeah, that. Yeah, way but, bigger picture. <laughs> and legal stuff is expensive, it, you know, especially in family law where people, they're not a business, not a corporation. They don't have a, an account set aside for if these issues show up. And a lot of times they don't have any sort of insurance because it's not a personal injury claim or it's not a liability claim. And so I tell people it's a very important to think about who you're hiring and then advising your clients whether or not it's worth their while to fight about something. I've seen people file contempt motions over paper towel holders. I will tell you that is not worth it. Wow. It's not worth it going to court over a paper towel holder. I will buy you another one. Like, <laughs> we, we love to work, yeah. but... Um, You're not going to be happy at the end of the day if you spend $1,000 to get your paper towel holder back. Even if you got to win, it's not worth your money at the end of the day. And you have to be sure you have an attorney who's willing to tell you that. What's the net result you're going to have here? Is it true that if you're, especially on the family side, if you're a sought after legal, you know, family attorney, um, that, you know, say my wife and I are going through troubles and she beats me to the punch in hiring you, is it true that you can sort of keep one on retainer to prevent my wife from hiring you? <laughs> I've heard all these stories. I'm just curious. That That's an option, right? Yeah. So once a family law firm meets with a client, generally that unless there, there's always generalities with law firms but once you have consulted with an attorney they cannot consult with your spouse okay and that's why you'll see a law firms charge consultation fees because we realized in charlotte there are some people who knew they're getting divorced before their spouse did yeah who would go around and meet with all the family law firms and they'd have to go find someone out of town which raises their costs because the attorney's driving to charlotte mm -hmm. so to prevent that We've all started charging consultation fees for the most part. It also makes sure that we all get to kind of keep business because if one person conflicts out a fur, all the firms, that means that money is going outside of Charlotte. And I have an interesting question. So you guys practice different types of law, but you know now with social media at an ultimate crave, it's it's the I don't want to say the new thing. It is the thing now. If you're not on social media, you probably don't have an existence. What is your advice? And I guess if you guys had to change kind of some of your legal practices in regards to what people post on social media, things that you can find on social media, um, maybe you're going through, you know, an arraignment and then, oh, well, look what you posted four years ago. We're really excited that we found this post because now this is really going to make my job a lot more difficult. What are some of the things that you guys have done at Hork Tally to kind of mitigate the risk of that, but also educate your clients on what to and what to not post on social media? Well, this is really interesting because North Carolina Bar has been issuing ethics opinions about what we can and can't do with our clients regarding social media. 
the hot topic it right is now. Because in litigation, you have issues called spoliation of evidence, which is destroying evidence. When you know there's a litigation, you can't advise your client to destroy evidence. That means you can't, I believe, tell your client to go delete all their Facebook pictures because mm. that's evidence. Hmm. Interesting. But interesting. I certainly advise my clients that even prior to social media, because there's always private investigators, that they need to act like someone is watching them all the time and think about whatever they do, they need to explain it to a judge. And that really, it helps remind them to behave and not to post things. But things that have been posted are an interesting issue. That's, it's, it's a constant um, concern, I think. And I tell my clients the same thing that Libby does. Um, if you don't want a judge to see it, and you don't want to be in court, or you don't want to be on the six o'clock news because of it, don't do it. Um, and so a lot of them will refrain from, you know, Facebook and Nextdoor. Um, and a lot of them won't have even community pages that they operate as a community, as a board on Facebook and Nextdoor. Now that doesn't stop owners from putting up their own page. Um, and, and then, you know, once you start having that page, you have to worry about the comments and the back and forth, and it becomes a whole a whole nother issue. So I try and um, just am cautious with my clients about it. You know, if you don't want someone to see it and you don't want to be put up on the screen in the courtroom, um, don't do it. And, and there's a, we've had a couple of people on here that, that use the word perspective. Um, two of them being Court Creedon, who, uh, who owns uh, Parent Financial, also wrote the book Blue Goat. And then also uh, Blaine Jackson, who's the president of New Dominion Bank. Both of them said some very interesting things. There's, there's only a few people that will have a true perspective on your life. And that's going to be your financial advisor, like a banker, your doctor, and I have to guess a lawyer. So with, with you being on the other end of the stories and, and people coming to ask you for help, has that given you a different perspective than maybe the social media norm that everybody posts? And what is kind of your advice around that? I mean, is it, is, do you guys, I guess I'm asking, what are some things that you guys go through and 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 then you've got to get a better perspective perspective of what the real world's like? <laughs> I so so I live in an HOA. Um and I you know, before I started doing community association work, I, I didn't really pay attention, I think, to what went on in the community where I lived. Uh, I just didn't really give it much thought. And now that I practice what I'm practicing, I see I see a lot of crazy questions and I see a lot of bad. And it surprises me. Unfortunately, what I don't see is a lot of good. You know, if things are operating well, they usually aren't calling me for advice. Right. Um, so I, 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 I was a little jaded before in thinking, oh, I mean, like this shouldn't be very difficult, right? It's a community and there's a board and everything should run fine. And it's amazing to me um, constantly and daily the issues that I see pop up that I would have never thought existed before. And I bet you have some crazy stories too, right, on, on that topic. For family law, I would say most of the social media is fake. You know, because a lot of times someone will come meet with me and then I'll go look at Facebook pages because that's what you need to do. And you always see the happy, the smiling. Rarely do you see the day-to-day -day mess that everyone's, I mean, everyone's life is busy. Everyone's crazy. That's right. Everyone's house is a mess. I mean, that's just how it is. And we don't, most of us don't put that on Facebook. Now, I tend to put 
the crazy of my kids because <laughs> they're nuts. <laughs> and I feel like I'm sort of, you know, real life. Kids are a I mean, baseline it's real life. Hashtag real life. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you'll see people come in to see me, but you wouldn't know from their Facebook page. And that's kind of the point of the Facebook page for a lot it's of people. It's a highlight. It's, you know, these yeah. are the good yeah. parts of my life. Platform. But everyone has something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it is important not to put your life to those standards of this is what my family life should be like and it's not like that. Well, no. They're posting the few moments of great that they're having and probably it's good all the rest of the time, but it might not be. You don't know. And sure. so trying to h- hold yourself to that level is very difficult for people. And rarely is there a family without something. I mean, Right. Yeah, nobody, nobody's perfect, right? And yeah. you all see all of that. It's, and it's so really you guys have, you've been in business for a long time. Your brand has continued to probably change. Uh, what has been some of the challenges in the last couple of years? And tell us a little bit about like what makes Hork Tally, you know, better than your competition. Like why, why would I want to call Hork Tally if, if I'm having an issue? Well, for the reason I would tell someone to call Hork Tally is because of what Cynthia mentioned earlier. We have around 40 attorneys. We're a mid-sized firm. We have people who have been at bigger firms and have come to Horak Tally because of the lifestyle and because of the relationships we have with each other and with our clients. And so our clients benefit from that big firm knowledge and experience that we have continued at a smaller firm with smaller firm rates. And rather than going to a very large firm, who I'm sure will provide legal services that you need, but we have the personal relationships we like to maintain with our clients, with our community, that I think a lot of companies benefit from. And so I think that we provide that knowledge and that service very well. I think we also cover the life of a family in a business. You know, if you come to us and have a business issue, we can also help you with estate planning. We can help you set up a business. We can help you litigate things for your business. We have people that do some employment work. We can handle a lot of issues all in-house. And so you maintain that relationship without having to have multiple firms help you. For the two of you, how much time do you actually spend in the courtroom? I know you said you try to prevent being in the courtroom. Is is there a lot of... So I, I do a lot of collection work for homeowners associations as well. Um, I'm, I'm in the courtroom pretty much every week um, on those cases. Um, once, if we get a, a, a litigation, a complex litigation issue, like Libby said, the benefit of our firm is I've got a bunch of experienced litigators and I will at that point um, have them step in um, to litigate those cases. But um, I'm pretty much there every week. For me, it will depend. There might be a week where I have to be in court for the entire week for a custody case. And so I'm there five days. But then it'll probably be a couple of weeks before I'm back in court. And we'll have to go for little things frequently. But for big cases, not as I'd say every other month or so you're there for a bigger case. And so you guys, this is a fascinating question. This is more kind of a personal question. So like I told you, like me and my wife, we love like watching crime documentaries and like anything that is involved with law, even though we're both not lawyers. Um, do you it's guys, very smart. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you guys, when you watch like movies or TV shows, sit there and be like, well, that's not really like real life. It's almost like a doctor watching like a, an ER, right? Like what is it like to be a lawyer and watch a show that's about that 
And is it like, is it interesting? Do you kind of critique it? Do you find yourself or do you not watch it? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> No, I watch it. Yeah. I think it looks uh, a lot more glamorous than it really yeah. is. Um, but um, yeah, most, I mean, you know, it's a TV show. It's kind right. of like we think about Facebook. It's the best part of everything. And everyone always looks wonderful. And it all gets resolved in an hour and everyone goes away happy usually. And, you know, sadly, that's not typically the way it works. Um, we try our very best to have that be the end result. But um, but yeah, it's fun. I, it's fun to watch because it's I recognize stuff from it, but I know at the same time that that, that it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Most time, I would say for the vast majority of your cases for family law and probably your collection work, you're not going to have a jury there. You're, there's going to be a lot of paperwork. So if you imagine a family law trying to figure out how much a business is worth or how much was in an account, you spend maybe an hour going through some bank statements, page by page, people identifying bank exhibits. And it is boring as get out. You I mean, just sit there forever just, and then going over people's lives for custody things. like. And so who woke up the children on a daily basis? Who fed them breakfast? Who fed them lunch? I mean, it can be kind of monotonous and not as courtroom drama-ish where you have these, you know, disclosures all of a sudden that change the case. For the most part, it's kind of quiet and mundane almost. Even though it's people's lives, it's not a jury case where you're doing theatrics. You're getting the evidence in front of a judge who's going to make the decision. Uh, what, what would you say is the most challenging part about both of your practices? Uh, is, is, it the, is it the client? Is it the system? Is it the attorney on the other side? Um, well, for me, it's, you know, I'm dealing with with people just like Libby is. But, um, you know, it's it's one of their it's their biggest investment. It's their home. Um, it's very personal to them. Um, my clients are kind of in the same position because the board members live in the community. So it's their home. It's their neighbor that maybe they were friends with. And now there's an issue that's arisen. So um, it's it's hard for them. And I try and help navigate them through that to the best of my ability and get a resolution where everybody's happy there. But that's a big challenge because they see these people every day while they're walking yeah. their dog or getting their mail. And I understand that. Um, and I try and help them navigate that. I, for family law, it's going to be, it can't just be one thing. You know, Mecklenburg County Courts, our judges try their very best but we have a lot of people going through the court system. So it takes time to get to everyone. So there's sometimes delay. Our judges don't have secretaries and clerks that write everything for them. So they're doing a lot of work in their spare time and they don't have a lot of spare time. So the system is as they're doing the best they can, but it's still, they will recognize it's difficult to get everything done as quickly as people's lives will need it to be done. But it's also, we're dealing with families and emotions. And dealing with people going through these very hard things. So trying to tell people, I know this is your life, but we need to make a business decision. It's hard to make a business decision on a personal matter. And so emotions are very difficult as well. Excellent. And you guys, you know, in closing, we appreciate you guys coming on here. It's been a blast learning a little bit more about Hork Tally. You know, before we let you go, we definitely want to tell our audience how they can get in touch with you. Uh, whether that's a website, if you're on you know social media, a phone number, et cetera. So tell us how we can, we can get in touch with you for each of your your different segments. So for the family law, we have a Horak Tally Family Law Facebook page that I'm running. 
Excellent. Oh, there you go. Everybody go show all the good, the good stuff. Like. Good stuff only. Uh, and a little family Instagram page that's not as used. I'm trying hard, but it's not. But we have the Horak Tally website, www.horaktally.com. And our main phone number, 704-377-2500. And then for community associations, we also have a uh, blog. It's uh, www.carolinacommonelements.com. So check that out. We put postings up there, and there's some fun stuff on that website, too. You can go check it out. Very cool. Uh, it's so interesting, and thank you all for spending a few minutes with us today. Thanks Very for thankful. having us. Well, we really appreciate it. We this is great. really excited about it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's well, our first fascinating. podcast. Fascinating. Yeah. We're really excited. <laughs> no, you guys did awesome. And, well, if you guys ever need anything, you know where to find them. Bork Tally, thank you guys so much for being on the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.